Hey, what's going on, everyone? It's scriptwriter Steve with a shameless plug for my company, Dream Weddings Hawaii. So, if you want to get married in Hawaii, if you want to get your vows renewed in Hawaii, and if you want some family pictures in Hawaii, make sure you check me out. So, my website is dreamweddingshawaii.com. So, that's dream, weddings with a S, Hawaii spelled out, dot com. What is going on, everyone? What is cooking? This is Scriptwriter Steve, and welcome to my podcast, Barbecue to Movies. Well, today is February 16th, 2023. It is currently 1.16 a.m. in the morning. I'm up late talking to you folks because I don't want to do any work right now. <laughs> and I want to watch some television, to be quite honest, but uh, over the in the other room, I have those automatic Roomba machines vacuuming my floor and it's pretty loud so I can't really enjoy my YouTube or my I guess my movies on uh, my fire stick boy you know that Amazon fire stick that thing is pretty awesome I have to tell you that I just got two of those things and uh, it makes life so much easier okay anyway if you don't have one you should get one I'm just saying that they're pretty cheap all right so I'm gonna turn this music down and I am gonna start chatting it away so Boy, you know, I know I've been gone for about a week. You know, I've been busy. I've been doing some weddings. I had Taco Thursdays over at my house. Then I uh, had more weddings and got busy with business. And I've been fixing up photos. You know, I do my own photos and my own video for my wedding company. I don't contract that out. A lot of companies contract it out to, over to India or like, you know, third world countries. And they never can produce, you know, you know, really good product. I've tried them before and... You know, they really, they really sell you on a good product. They, I mean, they're really trying to sell you. They say, Steve, for 29 cents or 30 cents per picture, we can touch up your photos, right? So I said, oh, 30 cents? You know, I got 200 photos to touch up? Knock yourself out, right? It comes back. They have no freaking idea what the hell they're doing. And then I even tried hiring out some other people. I tried even hiring out some friends, to be quite honest. And, uh... You know, they still can't do it as good as me. Am I that good? I don't think I'm that good. But uh, it, it's really, really frustrating because you, you you want the right amount of light and shadows. You want the right amount of contrast. You want the skin tone to be the right color. You know, you don't want it to be oversaturated. And, you know, for me, I think color is just part of storytelling. You know, you want sometimes you want a little bit more magenta to, to kind of, you know, I guess push the subtext. You know, you know, the, there's a story that you, that really isn't, that is below the surface. That's what, that's what, that's what subtext is, right? And you want to, you can, you can t- use that through color a lot of times. Uh, if you want it to be a little more warm, you're saying this is a little more romantic, a little more red is a little more romantic, or magenta is a little more romantic. You know, so you make things a little bit more warm than they actually are in real life. And that, it, that pushes the subtext of romance into all a lot, a lot of these pictures. You know, some of these photographers, they call it, oh, golden light, golden light, this, golden light, that. Well, hate to break it to you, a golden light is fake. <laughs> you you can have golden light if you shoot at a certain time, but a lot of times that golden light is still you know you still have a bias when you come to post production. You can make that golden light a little bit more magenta, a little more orange, a little more yellow. Sometimes I it's too golden and I push blue in there to make it less golden. So we want less golden light because you know sometimes people look. Yeah, you know, it really depends on you know what type of. Um, 
I guess, uh, race or ethnicity that person is when you push that golden light on top of them. Like, say for me, say for me, I'm Chinese, right? I'm, I'm Asian. And I'm yellow already, okay? No, I know what you're going to say. You're going to say, oh, Steve, that's kind of racist calling yourself yellow. No, my skin is kind of yellow. So if I have golden light on top of me, I look even more yellow. I look yellow, yellow, yellow to the max. <laughs> I don't look very good in golden light. And a lot of my couples are Asian. So what, what, what happens then? You know, I actually end up pushing more blue into the pictures to make them look less yellow because they're too yellow. And, uh, and even when you have, like, say, African-Americans, blacks, right, that golden light, it's not as good on them as if you're a Caucasian. Now, Caucasians, Caucasians, they need the golden light because if they don't have no yellow light into their skin, they look like pale white. I've had some couples, they're just, like, pale. They have no color whatsoever. So you want to shoot them during golden light to give them some, for, some form of tan. And if you don't have that... I pushed a lot of yellow and a lot of magenta into pictures just to give them some color. I even upped that orange in the saturation level over there in the, in the, in the light room just to add a little more color to them. Now, when they see the pictures, they can't really tell, but they'll tell me, Oh, Steve, I look so nice and tan. I went to Hawaii. I got really, really tan, perfect tan for my wedding. The truth is that is the magic of post production. All right. So what do I want to talk about today? I want to talk about everything in the news that has happened, you know, before, I guess, before I hopped on today, uh, apparently Joe Biden is deciding to shoot a lot of things out of the sky right now. First, he shot, he took forever to shoot this Chinese balloon that you know, wandered across Alaska, down through Canada, through Montana, and, and he could have shot it all the way in Alaska and all the way, all the Montana and Canada, but he waited until it drifted or floated over some nuclear facilities, and then he shot it off, off the coast of America by the, I think it was North Carolina, South Carolina, somewhere there. He shot it there, and then they, and then they, uh, I guess, you know, I guess got all got all the stuff there, and the Chinese claimed it was a, a weather balloon. It was not. It was a spy balloon. And you're probably asking yourself, well, why in the hell are are they actually using a spy a spy balloon to spy on our nuclear facilities? Now, the, the answer is that when you when you have a spy satellite, uh, spy satellites fly by really really quick. And um, if there's if there's you know uh, cloud cover or or, you know, maybe there's another satellite below it. And maybe if you're using too sh slow of a shutter speed, you cannot get a really clear picture. You know, satellites fly at a, at a very, very fast clip. And if it's geostationary, then all of a sudden, you know, America knows that you're spying on us. So, so, uh, this spy balloon is a lot closer, a lot more high resolution camera. And if it just hovers and takes its time and just, kind of just drifts its way over a nuclear facility, you can get a lot more higher resolution pictures. Now, what will they end up doing with a high resolution picture of a nuclear facility? Not much, unless they're planning to actually bomb it. Now, maybe they are, maybe they're not. I think it wouldn't be in their best interest to bomb America because not only will that wake uh, awaken America, uh, and, and, uh, you know, if they actually attacked America, uh, it would be the end of China. But what it would, it would be the end of China in two different things, two different phases. Number one, <laughs> first of all, would be we would go to war with them, right? And we would actually eliminate them. Now, we, we don't want that. Now, we could actually eliminate China just by 
putting up a wall right between them. Now, I'm not saying a physical wall, but uh, a purchasing wall. So all of a sudden, all of our products would not be made in China anymore. We would just say we, were, we would not buy anything from China whatsoever. We don't care about you. And we would just cut off all shipments of oil, all shipments of goods and everything. We would, you know, even if even if it hurt us on the bottom line, every American would say, we're not buying any, anything from China. Now, are we in a position to do that right now in America? I don't think so. So we should get to that point. But all of a sudden, if we are, if we are manufacturing things in America or, or we're forced to, China goes dead. They're already in debt. They are in massive debt. They are in a, their economy is in a worse shape than ours. Through all the lockdowns, the people there are not making very much money. They don't have a lot of purchasing power over there in China. Even though the, 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 the citizens of China are a lot wealthier than, than they were before, they just are massively poor when compared to Americans. So if we stop buying China because they attacked us, I think they go broke overnight. They really, really do. And if they do go to war with us, they go broke really, really, really quick. They wouldn't be able to afford, you know, a sustainable war with us. And uh, so they have no interest in going to war with us. They would rather go into, a, uh, I guess, a commerce war with us, if anything. Now, following the the destruction of the Chinese balloon, <laughs> Joe Biden ended up shooting, I think, was it three, four, five other Unidentified flying objects, according to his, uh, I guess his intelligence officials, they do not want to say uh, what these, I guess what these objects were. They're, they were flying. It didn't look like look as though it um, it belonged to any one country, and it was unidentifiable. They were possibly balloons, and they were shot down with missiles. Now, that's a pretty cool thing, first of all, to shoot a missile down with a balloon. Uh, yeah, I mean, sorry, sorry, got that mixed up. To shoot a balloon down with a missile, that's pretty impressive because, uh, you know, a balloon doesn't have really a heat signal or a radar signal, so these missiles are kind of locking onto an object, tracking it. That's some serious AI there. And uh, they shot through it. I'm not sure if they just popped it with the missile, but... but that's that's pretty that's a pretty good thing because usually these uh these these missiles that we shoot are usually you know heat seeking or radar locking uh, missiles um they're not you just can't point it point it at them and lock onto to a to an object and then kill and uh, shoot it down so this is some new technology that I've never heard of and it it's pretty interesting it's really really that part is really interesting now who do these balloons belong to it looks, from what I've been reading, here's a funny thing. Um, it looks as it's, uh, as it's, uh, what do they call that? It, it looks as though they're United States weather balloons that, that they've been shooting down. And uh, that's not very good. And I'm not sure why Joe Biden is going crazy just shooting down weather balloons out here. And in fact, shooting down things in the sky that we can't identify who, I mean, exactly what it is. I mean, do you know if there's a person in there? Do you know if it's a friendly from a friendly country or from a from or from a, another? I, I guess from a uh, I guess a country that is not friendly to us. You don't know. You really don't know. So you should be able to identify, it. and more so, you should be able to um, tell the American people exactly what you're doing. Now, could you imagine? <laughs> I always joke with people here is that. Could you imagine if these things that Joe Biden is shooting is shooting down is actually extraterrestrial? 
I mean, could you imagine that? I mean, it's extraterrestrial, and then Joe Biden, you know, the idiot he is, is accidentally going to cause an intergalactic war because he's such a dummy. He is the dummy in chief. (sighs) What do you know? Maybe, who knows? Probably not, but it's just funny to entertain that idea. All right, so moving on, moving on. Let's talk Super Bowl. I know I'm jumping all over here, right? But I'm just talking to talk to you folks because I, I got a lot of things in my mind. And, you know, this podcast is kind of like a diary for me in a way, in a way. It allows me to get out whatever I, you know, whatever whatever I need to get out so I can have normal conversations with people, right? But, uh, you know, the Super Bowl, I'm a huge, huge, huge Eagles fan. Huge Eagles fan. I've been, a, I've been an Eagles fan since the seventh grade. I'm 45 years old now. And when I was younger, I went on this field trip, not field trip, I went on this, this vacation with my parents, and, and uh, we went to Pennsylvania, we went to Philadelphia, actually, and I was there, there in the hotel room, and I was watching a special on the Philadelphia Eagles, and on the television there, they showed a video of um, Randall Cunningham playing, and Randall Cunningham, he was the Michael Vick back then, he could run like you wouldn't believe, but he could, and he could throw the ball, I mean, he threw this, I'd never seen a football thrown with such velocity and such ease, and he would just throw it down the field. It looked like a 90-yard bomb. It would go far, and it would go high, and it would just drop right out of heaven, right down the chimney to the receiver. And I just loved watching him play. I, I thought it, he looked, it looked like, ball, he looked like a, a ballet on the football field. It was so great, because at that time, you had, who was your main quarterback? You had Joe Montana, and he just like, you know, dink and dunk everywhere, everywhere. And then, you know, Randall Cunningham was the entire opposite of him, right? So I saw this and I, and I said, wow, this is just great. I can get behind the Eagles. Nobody else in Hawaii likes the Eagles. Um, there's some, and on top of that, some UH football players, University of Hawaii, some football players went over there to the Eagles. We had Jeff Steiner, I think Rich Miano, uh, and uh, they all played for the Eagles there. So I had even more reasons uh, to actually like them. So I was back there in the Rich Kotite days, uh, just right after Buddy Ryan. Loved watching Randall Cunningham. Went up to when I uh, graduated high school. I saw Randall Cunningham play in a in an Arizona Cardinals Cardinals game, which he got benched. <laughs> so I saw his last game as a as a I guess as a as a as, as an ego. And then after that, he retired. Soon after that, came back, you know, and uh, went to the Vikings. And uh, I followed him in the Vikings because I really liked him. I really, really did like him. I still followed the Eagles, but then we went through, a, you know, I think a plethora of just really bad quarterbacks. And uh, but I still followed Randall Cunningham because he was my guy. Now. Fast forward a little bit to the future, I think way to the future, I'm still an Eagles fan, and we get a guy called Nick Foles, and right when I saw Nick Foles, I said, hey, this guy is really good, he's going to win us a Super Bowl, in fact, my friend, who's another Eagles fan, said, he, this guy's going to win us a Super Bowl, so we we followed Nick Foles in his rookie year, and, and uh, you know, he, he played really, really well under Andy Reid, he played under Andy Reid his, his, uh, last year. Um, he didn't have a winning record, but you could you could see that he had this natural pocket presence about him. He understood the offensive, the, the, I guess, offensive schemes, and he would audible a lot, left and right, audible, left and right, left and right. And he played so much better than Michael Vick. And, and Michael Vick was on, was on the team, and he unseated uh, Donovan McNabb. Donovan McNabb, you know, here's a funny thing. Donovan, Donovan McNabb rallied, uh, I guess, rallied for... Michael Vick to come when he uh, to come to the Eagles. When Michael Vick came out of prison, Donovan McNabb says, "Hey, I want this guy on the team. He's a really, really good guy." 
And Michael Vick ended up playing so good that Donovan, they got rid of Donovan, Donovan McNabb, and then Michael Vick became the quarterback. Now, he looked, he looked like he was going to be a really good quarterback, but for some reason, the, the defense has figured out that Michael Vick, if he, if he rolls right, he can't really throw the ball that well. So they're just pressuring toward the right because, uh, you know, he's a left-handed quarterback. He has to have to roll left, right? And, uh, that was his, that was his one kryptonite there. And he got injured. Nick Foles came in, played so-so. You know, and Eagles really didn't have a really great year that last year. Andy Reid was really, really bad. You can tell he was going away. And, uh, you know, then the next year we had Chip Kelly. And, uh, and Chip Kelly came in there and Michael Vick in a, in a camp battle, Michael Vick won. Uh, you can see he's just a more athletic guy. You know, he's a stronger arm. He's faster, more, a lot more gifted than Nick Foles athletically. And, uh, but he played a really first game, a really good first game against Washington. I think he threw for like five touchdowns. It was really great. Uh, but the games after that, Michael Vick and Chip Kelly's offense looked anemic. They couldn't really move the ball. And I think two or three games after that in the Giants game, uh, Michael Vick got hurt. Nick Foles came in and he just took over. He started winning, winning, winning. And he started dropping this ball down the, down the chimney. And it reminded me of Randall Cunningham. It was really cool. I mean, Nick Foles, I mean, he throws one of the most beautiful deep balls you've ever seen. And if you watch the Super Bowl, and, and a lot of people don't realize this. He, he, what he's doing, they're dropping these balls, like, you know, 40 yards, 50 yards down, down the field. This is something that, you know, you really don't see a lot in the NFL these days. You know, um, and he's doing this even in the NFC championship games against, against the Vikings. So anyway, Nick Foles, you know, he's doing this. He throws in, in, a, in a game against the Raiders. He throws seven touchdowns in three quarters. He could have thrown nine, maybe even 10. But Chip Kelly pulls him so he can't actually break the record. He pulls him in the third quarter because Nick Foles and Chip Kelly says he didn't want, he, he pulled him because he didn't want the, uh, the team to be all about Nick Foles. And this is where Chip Kelly's like, you know, his, his ego got in the way. You should have just let Nick Foles play, you know, and, and just let him run up the score. 10 touchdowns because what happens after that? You know, the Raiders end up giving up two more touchdowns to the backup quarterback because they had just, they were, they were just beat up mentally. And when Nick Foles did this, the Raiders had one of the top defenses in the NFL. Okay. So this was, this was really, really, really great stuff. Now, the end of the year, Chip Kelly doesn't want Nick Foles on a, on a team anymore. He tries to get other quarterbacks can't, but he ends up cutting Deshaun Jackson and then he ends up, I think, trading away LaShawn McCoy. And, uh, you know, so you have two, two of the guys are there, are, are gone. And, uh, you know, Nick Foles doesn't have his, his guys anymore. He comes back. He doesn't have a really big weapon. He has Riley Cooper. Who the hell is Riley Cooper, right? And, uh, he has Jeremy, Jeremy Macklin, but he's no Deshaun Jackson. And, uh, he has this, uh, I think I for, forgot which, um, this, this running back from Dallas Cowboys, I forgot his name. And he's not even close to good. And, uh, so he doesn't, Nick Foles plays okay, but not as good because, his receivers aren't getting wide open anymore. You don't have a really good running back, uh, you know, and and uh, he ends up hurting himself against the Houston Texans, and that basically that was it. So you don't hear about Nick Foles because he went to the Rams after that and didn't really play really great because he had a you know uh, he had a who's that guy uh, the the Rams coach he wasn't a really good he wasn't he wasn't really good at all I forgot his name Jeff Fisher that was his name. So Jeff Fisher, you know, that's where he was never a great quarterback or offensive mind, uh, offensive minded coach. And Nick Foles, after that one year, he wanted to retire. 
He really, really did. And, uh, you know, he made his way eventually back to the Eagles, and the rest is history. Now, here comes the Super Bowl. Uh, the, uh, well, hold on. The Eagles win the Super Bowl with Nick Foles, and one year after that, they, they, they have all of their <laughs> – they believe – this is the narrative here. The, the, the narrative is that if Nick Foles can win one Super Bowl, well, Carson Wentz is greater, so we should be able to win more, more football games uh, more football games, and win more Super Bowls with Carson Wentz. That's how well we're set up. That's the reasoning that they used, and they ended up trading away – not trading away, getting releasing Nick Foles, allowing him to – Sign with the Jaguars and get a really big contract there while they put all their eggs in one basket with Carson Wentz. And what do you know? Carson Wentz, he ended up sucking. He ended up sucking in Philadelphia. He ended up went over, the, over to the Colts. He ended up sucking there. He went over to Washington and he ends up sucking there. Carson Wentz is not a good quarterback. You know, they have to eat some crow over there, but they never noticed that and they relied on, I guess, what I like to call, you know, screenwriting logic or storytelling logic. And, uh, you know, and, and instead of relying on the evidence, you know, one day I'll make a podcast about that, or maybe I'll even talk about it in this podcast, but that's, that's what the reasoning they use instead of looking at the evidence that, you know, that Carson Wentz is not that great of a quarterback. Fast forward to the present. Now the Super Bowl comes up, comes up and I'm like, oh, you know, I'm still kind of bitter because with the Eagles, you know, I still cheer for the Eagles, but, you know, I don't think Jalen Hurts is actually that good. Um, I saw him playing Alabama. I saw him playing, playing Ohio. Not that great of a quarterback. I saw him when the Eagles drafted him. He filled in for Carson Wentz. Not that great. The year after that, still not that great. This year, though, he's a little different. He still doesn't have the arm strength of Randall Cunningham, Nick Foles. You saw that in the Super Bowl, that Hail Mary. It only went like 35 yards. Right, not not that great of an arm whatsoever. Nick Foles would have like he would have hit the the end of the end zone. Uh, a lot of quarterbacks would, but Jalen Hurts he never had that big arm. You know, he, is it a, he never had a big arm. He never had an accurate arm. What he is is a high character person. He has a high motor and he's extremely extremely strong. So so that's that's where the strength of uh, Jalen Hurts comes into play, and he plays to his strengths. Right. So come going into the Eagles game. The Super Bowl, I was real. I, I had a lot of mixed feelings with here because I wasn't, you know, I wanted Nick Foles as kind of, you know, and a lot of Eagles fans are going to like say, you're not a real Eagles fan. And, you know, I am. But then I, I was just very, really bitter that they, they let go of Nick Foles. And here, here comes in, we're in the Super Bowl. And I said, okay, I would love to get another Super Bowl win, but, you know, I still kind of want Nick Foles' legacy. To kind of be cemented there in Philadelphia for just a little bit more time, and uh, and and I don't want it. I don't really want it to leave yet. I mean, that, that's just part of me. But then another part of me wants the Eagles to win the Super Bowl. So, I'm, so you can see the inner conflict with me, right? So, so uh, and on top of that, you know, I, I kind of like Mahomes too, but I still cheer for the Eagles um, throughout the whole game, and I and I do realize as well it. You know, before we went, before the, I guess, I guess not really before, but during the season, uh, uh, I guess our, our Super, this year's Super Bowl season, it reminded me of the 20, the 2017 season that we went to the Super Bowl. It was that, you know, during that time, Carson Wentz, they played a lot of easy teams, like cupcake teams, right? You know, they, they call them cupcake over in, uh, in college. And, and these are teams that, you know, they're, they're just not really great. And the same thing happened this year with the Eagles. We had a really, really easy schedule because primarily 
The year before that, we were really, really crappy. And the year before that, we were also very crappy. So, so the NFL blesses you with, you know, high draft picks and also easy, easy schedule. And, uh, you know, of course, Hertz looks really good because he's playing cupcake teams. And on top of that, our roster just overloaded with A-plus talent. Now, we're getting sacks left and right and everything like that. But then again, look who we're going up against. We're not going, going up against really good historical quarterbacks, right? We're not really going up against, you know, clutch quarterbacks, like Hall of Fame quarterbacks. We're talking like Patrick Mahomes. There's no doubt about it. This guy is a future Hall of Famer. And when you go up against a future Hall of Famer, you know, they don't give up. They keep winning. You know, you can never, never count them out of the game. They may be down by like 30 points, but they're going to come back. We see, we saw Tom Brady do it. We saw, we've seen Aaron Rodgers do it. You know, we've seen, you know, Drew Brees, all of Steve Young, Joe Montana. I can go, you know, down the line and Patrick Mahomes. He's done that in the Super Bowl. He's done that, right? So, so we, you, you can never count these guys out. And Jalen Hurts has never gone up against, you know, a quarterback who just won't quit. So what happens in the Super Bowl, we get up by 10 points, and it looks as though the Eagles are taking their foot off the gas. They're really just playing lazy football. And what do you know? Jalen Hurts just fumbles the ball out. You know, switching, switching the football from hand to hand, it just falls out. <laughs> it's lazy football, horrible football. And the ball takes this bounce. And then it, you know, it bounces out and the Kansas City Chiefs score a touchdown off of it. That's on him. Your savior, right? Now, given that it'll be any other quarterback, let's say if Nick Foles did it, people will say, oh, Nick Foles just blew the game. But because of Jalen Hurts, it's Jalen Hurts. You know, they don't even talk about it. They say he, they say Jalen Hurts belong, you know, deserved to be the Super Bowl MVP because he outplayed, he, because he outplayed, you know, Patrick Mahomes. I'll tell you what, Nick Foles was a Super Bowl MVP. Tom Brady had way more passing yards, way more passing touchdowns than Nick Foles. Um, He played, uh, Tom Brady played the best postseason game of his life against uh, Nick Foles. Uh, Nick Foles just, he was more, he was a lot more clutch uh, in the right moments. I mean, other than, you know, the, the, the Philly special, right? That's the one thing. He caught the ball. Tom Brady didn't, but it was that close. He, he went cause, cause, because of Nick Foles, he's not a Hall of Fame quarterback, but he is clutch. And in more so, more often games, a lot of games where you've seen him down, he has always come back. You can always feel that you're going to be in this game. Watch, watch his old games with Chip Kelly. Watch his games in the, in the playoffs, right? They were down. They were down, but, they're not out of it yet. There's hope. Even in the Super Bowl, he was down and he still came back. And in fact, Tom Brady, he was the last one to hold the ball. And they still didn't seem as though they were out of it until Brandon Graham like stripped the ball. But here we have Jalen Hurts has a 10-point lead. Can he protect that lead? No, he messes up. He messes up. And then the entire half, you know, you know, you know, the, the Kansas City Chiefs, they're out there, you know, they're they're scoring. So what did Jalen Hurts have to do? He has to score back. He has to drive that ball down the field and score. But he can't do it. There's three and out. Three and out after each other. Three and out, then fumble. He just couldn't pull it off. He wasn't clutch. He was hot in the second quarter, and that's it. The Eagles only scored 11 points for the whole second half. Not good when you're going up against a Hall of Fame quarterback. So I'm sorry, Jalen Hurts is not as good as as Patrick Mahomes.
All right? And that holding call at the end, I know a lot of people are saying, oh, that holding call in the end by, by Bradbury, and, all, and uh, you know, that really changed the course of the game, and ref should not have called that penalty. A penalty is a penalty. It really is. But that's not the reason why the Eagles lost the game. All right? That may be a reason why the Eagles may have not gotten the ball back, but it should have never gotten to that point. You have a 10-point lead, you're not going to surrender. If Patrick Mahomes has a 10-point lead, Peyton Manning has a 10-point lead, any of these Hall of Fame quarterbacks have a 10-point lead, I'm sorry, you're not coming back from that. You're not. And, and, and this is the difference between a Hall of Fame quarterback versus a regular good quarterback. Jalen Hurts is a good quarterback. Will he be of, will he be of Hall of Fame caliber one day? Who knows, but he doesn't have that clutch gene yet. So the Eagles deserve to lose, in my opinion. And I'm kind of still happy that Nick Foles' you know, you know, uh, I guess reputation as the only Super Bowl quarterback to bring home uh, uh, the Lombardi Trophy to Philadelphia is still preserved. So I'm a little happy about that. <laughs> I really, really am. I hate to say it to all of I'm going to get some hate mail from all the Eagles fans. So you're not a true Eagles fan. Uh, yes, I am. A lot of Eagles, like paraphernalia all around my house, but love me some Nick Foles. I really, really do. All right, people, that is it for the Super Bowl. Uh, let's talk about that halftime show really quick. Um, <laughs> I would say that is the worst halftime show I've seen in my life. Uh, I've seen a lot of them. Um, you know, when I think of Super Bowl halftime shows, I think it's going to be something epic. I think... A lot of set designs, really interesting set designs, a lot of interesting chore dance choreography. You know, I'm, I'm not a dance choreographer, but I do know about entertainment. And it looked as though Rihanna's ego really got in the way. And it, she thought she thought she could just go up there, you know, dressed in a red jumpsuit with, you know, it looked like these guys, her dancers were like, they looked like they're dressed up. You know, those, those guys who do, do drive-through COVID testing, it, it looked like that. And they were just dancing, and the stage would just move up and down, up and down, up and down, and she just would sing all of her songs. Where's all the other guests that she promised? Now, she promised another guest that she was going to have a special guest on, a secret guest on stage with her, and apparently that was her kid. So she wanted, she used, she used the Super Bowl halftime, I guess, performance as a platform to announce her pregnancy to the world. It, how big of an ego do you have to have that, right? And the audio was just horrible. You know, even with Janet Jackson's, you know, horrible, like, I mean, inappropriate. I want to say inappropriate, um, I guess, uh, nipple exposure thing during the Super Bowl. That was horrible. Uh, children watching and all those things is not good. But that, that was a really, really good show. Even the audio was not that great, but you know, Justin Timberlake, he entered in one way, he started dancing, then Janet Jackson came on there. You have all these different types of like, you know, you know, singers that come on there and they're doing dancing and it's, it's really cool. Bruno Mars got, got red, red hot chili peppers and he went from being on stage to like, you know, doing a little piano solo on the side and it was really cool. Um, I didn't really care for uh, Snoop Dogg, Snoop Doggy Dogs, or Dr. Dre's performance at all in the Super Bowl halftime. But at least he went up and down to all these different sets, and it looked pretty neat. Um, it wasn't that great. I think I think at that time I would label that performance as the worst. But Rihanna's was far far worse. And she, again, she I think she just thought I could show up, dance. And, you know, I'm pregnant. I'm really not going to move that much. And on top of that, she grabs her crotch and then sniffs her fingers. What is that about? 
<laughs> you know, not cool. So it's not, I mean, it's really, really not great at all. Who Now, who is the greatest? I think it has to go down to, um, I would say, either Bruno Mars, uh, any one of his Super Bowl performances, uh, halftime performances, he has two, or Michael Jackson. Madonna also did a really good job. Madonna, I think Madonna's one was awesome, to be quite honest. Um, but between those three, Michael Jackson's one, though, was um, out of all three of them, which I just listed, Madonna, Michael Jackson, Bruno Mars, M- Michael Jackson, to be honest, was the most plain looking. Uh, Madonna's one was really epic, the way she, you know, entered and, you know, I, I saw it on, I saw it on YouTube just recently. It was, it was really, really epic. Um, but Bruno Mars was, you know, I liked it for a fact that he brought in red hot chili peppers out there and he brought, he sang a lot of his own music out and they performed really well live, you know, with that live band. You know, Bruno Mars, he performed extremely well live. Same with Michael Jackson. I mean, they're really, really good live performers. Um, uh, I hope, I hope they, they figure out, you know, who's going to be the next performer next year. I, I think it should go back to Bruno Mars, to be quite honest. He really knows how to put on a really, really great show. The, I think the catch 22, though, is that I believe the artist has to pay for that show. So unless Bruno Mars, like, you know, has, has like some type of record coming out or something like that. And his record, the record company wants to spend the millions of dollars to put something together. I don't think that's going to happen. That's just my opinion, though. All right. Well, anyway, 33 minute podcast. Not too bad, right? For another, uh, episode of barbecue to movies. I will be talking to you later, people. Have a nice night. Thank you for listening. And that's about all. All right, everyone, that's it for today. I had fun podcasting. If you like what you hear, please share my podcast. If you can't find me, look on your favorite podcast platform and look for BBQ2 Movies. That's BBQ T-O Movies. Yeah, the T-O is not the number two, by the way. It is T-O, like Terrell Owens. So that's BBQ2 Movies. Catch you around.